dreams operate please put me back on the line told my girl I'd be back operate please this is wrecking my mind people what is going on welcome to a new episode of echoes from the goddamn void and um yeah it's been um yeah we got a good show for you this week you know what i mean we got some um tv stuff looking at the new season of glow on netflix we're reviewing the new Mike Carey book, Someone Like Me. And um, just all the general other bits and bobs, man. But, um, yo, some crazy shit's going down, right? So, um, yeah, no, just... I, I follow a lot of comedy stuff and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so the other day comes out. So Whitney Cummins did an Instagram an Instagram live video a little while back. And um, she did it while in the bath. And after she did it, she realized that in one little second, her nipple was showing. So, you know, she took the, vid- the the video down. Some friggin' weirdos and creeps screen-grabbed the moment her nipple was re- revealed. You know? Like, just, you, you have to think of what kind of person does that, right? So they screen-grabbed it. Then they contacted her... And we're like, oh, if you don't give us a load of money, we're going to release this stuff to the world. Thing, I mean, they must have seen that she's got a comedy special on Netflix. And, um, like, oh, she must be rolling in it. So, um, you know, she's just like, fuck you. I'm not giving you my money why am i giving you my money you know what i mean and also i'm not stinky rich and so what she did and you gotta commend her for it she just put the photos out herself and um yeah have to give mad props to whitney cummins because she's not only just a funny motherfucker but she has you know what I mean? The balls just to say whatever. You know? It is it's just like and it's not like she had shit in the cloud and was that dumb shit. It was just it was a stupid little video that she recorded just to have some fun. And a nipple showed. It's a nipple. Everyone's got fucking nipples. It's not erotic. It's not anything to be ashamed of. But these fucking Pondlai wanted to try and shame her into giving them money. It's just like, how low must you be to do something like that? And um, yeah, I think it was a, um, a powerful move 
just to take control of the situation and be like, hey, whatever, son. You know what I mean? I ain't afraid. It's a nipple. What? So, yeah, I think that was, um, that was some crazy shit, man. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, the Epstein thing is probably crazier, but you know what? I can't be bothered to talk about that. Everyone is talking about that, and I ain't got nothing new to say. You know what I mean? Hey, if, if, if some crazy evidence comes out, then maybe, but right now, I've got nothing to say. All I have got to say is the person who created the Hillary Clinton tweet, <laughs> that was hilarious. So, yeah, props to you, my friend. Um, so, people, let's get on with the show, right? Cool. Um, yeah, let's hit with some some of the news that is floating around this week. Well, people, um, <laughs> I saw this story and it does really, you know, it, I think it plays on from the craziness people try and do for money. So, Michaela Banerjee, she worked um, for the Australian government and um, in 2013, she was fired from her job and she was fired for writing tweets criticising the government's immigration policies. And, you know, she feels that she was discriminated, you know, and um, she shouldn't have been fired for that. But, see, the thing is, whenever you step into certain jobs, right, part of the contract is not to bring like, the organisation into disrepute, so, if you're bad-mouthing the organisation, they can fire you, because that's bringing it into disrepute, like, it's just something that you can't do, and, you know, you kind of have to think to yourself, if you, like, if you're that much against them, why are you working for them, you know what I mean, now, Yes, look, jobs could be hard to come by, right? So you just keep your mouth shut until you find something else. Then you can say what else, whatever you like. You know, that's what you would do. But, and so what makes the whole situation worse, right? So the woman, she set up a fake Twitter account, okay? So she set up a fake Twitter account. And um, sent the tweets via that. So it's like you knew what you were doing was wrong. Because if you thought that, hey, this situation is fine, you would have sent them out under your own name. You know what I mean? That it, it, it's just, it's a weird one. I don't understand. But she's saying that... um. You know, the government breached the country's constitution. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 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 it's not. It's like she just did something ridiculous. 
he did something ridiculous and then regretted it once she got caught and the ramifications came to her and I think that's what people need to understand look if you do something live by the actions you know what I mean you could try and apologize you could try and you know like make amends but that's up to the injured party to um decide if they're willing to accept that or just sack your ass and uh yeah like you can't criticize immigration and then expect to keep your job in the government it's insane it's insane like those crazy assholes going after cummins you know what i mean just people use your goddamn minds and stop being assholes i think that's the main thing stop being assholes all right so former porn star mia khalifi um so she's recently started to speak out about her time working within the porn industry um you know it's something that she's not really addressed in the past but you know she started to speak out about it because she is now thinking if she talks about it it helps it will help her close the book on that chapter of her life you know, because she's not, she, like, she says she's not proud of it, and, um, I think one of the misconceptions around it is that she's, must be making a, um, a crazy lot of money, um, and she says that she made around $12,000, so that's £9,900, um, during the time that she worked in the industry, and she hasn't made any more money from residuals of um, the the film scenes that she made. Now, she um, yeah, so she was in working in porn for just um, supposedly just three months. You know, so that was um, within 2015. Um, yeah, so just three months. Just three months. But in that time, she became, like, one of the highest-ranked porn stars on Pornhub, supposedly. You know? So it is... Yeah, which is, um, I guess that's pretty impressive, but I guess it's only really that impressive if you, uh, if you're looking to stay within the industry, you know, um, but yeah, so, so I think she, but she did an interview with, um, a Megan Abbott. And yeah, th this was some of the stuff that she addressed. So it's the financial side of things. And also, like, supposedly she was, um, she got, 
like death threats from ISIS because she made uh, a film where she was having sex wearing a hijab. And uh, yeah, so she got a lot of, um, there was a big backlash from that. But so the crazy thing is, like, because she's saying that, um, I don't know, that people get preyed upon, you know, that porn companies prey on callow young women, you know, and um, they, they sign you to these contracts that force you to kind of work but for no real money and um like so this is the crazy thing right because um she she went on um westwood i remember back in the day when i like i'd still listen to westwood because like he had all the top people in the rap game, like, on the show, because, you know, he was on Radio 1, so it's the biggest radio station in the country, you could hear it all over the country, so yeah, he had the biggest show, and for some reason, she was, she was on it one time, and I remember, I was a bit like, yo, what, what's a, what's a porn star doing on a rap show, but, so, this is the thing, so she said she was scouted in the street in Miami, right, but I remember the story that she told on Westwood saying that she worked in, um, like, I think it was like a fried chicken place, like, like KFC, but not KFC, so some place like that, she worked there, and the porn directors, these porn guys, would come in, and some, like, she knew who they were, and she asked them, and was just like, I should be in one of your films, so she kind of went after the career, you know what I mean, that's what she said in that interview, and that, you know what I mean, she loved doing it, and, you know, she's, she's got all these opportunities from it, and, you know, she's making money, and all of this, so that's the story she told back then, but now, yeah, now this com- seems like a completely different thing, now, listen, understand, I, look, it wouldn't put it, I wouldn't, um, put it past the fact that, yes, there is probably definitely people in that industry that are trying to sign people to bullshit contracts but I would also say you know like you know what I mean she signed like I got it wrong she signed her deal in 2014 not 15 but she was done by 2015 so she signed that contract in 2014 and 2014 like everyone knew stuff by then, you know, I think that, like, we'd already seen so many documentaries talking about, like, the the craziness of the porn industry, 
you know what I mean, like the problems with it and all of this, so there was already that information, like ex-porn stars were coming out talking about their, um, their time within the industry, how difficult it was, like, um, how difficult it was to leave, how hard it is to then get a job once you leave the porn industry, because this is the thing, right, so she's um trying to get a job as a um uh i i think she's trying to get a job as a um as a sportscaster you know like something like yeah i believe it's something like that um yeah sports pundit you know she's trying to get into that line of work And she says, it gets me down when I get no's from companies who don't want to work with me because of my past. And it's just like, but yeah, when you went into it, that was something people knew. You know what I mean? It it was something people knew. This could be a difficult thing once you're out. Especially if if you go by your real name. So you go by your real name and don't make any changes. That's going to happen. Like, suppose you, there's still a website run right now called Mia Khalifi. So she wants to try and get it taken down. I mean, and I would be surprised if, you know, that's like something that she can't get done. But it's a bit like, these are things that come with that. And... Everyone should be aware of that. If you're not aware of that, that's kind of on you. Like, I feel bad for her and all, but she made the choice. You mean she made the choice to go into that? Because as I said, look, she said she was working in a, a fried chicken shop. Now, that might not have been the most glamorous job and she might have wanted a better one, but hey, there's other things that you can do, right? But you want you want to try and make fast money. Listen, understand, there, there's no such thing. And there's always ramifications from those actions. So, yeah, that's what you need to consider, people. Like, if you want to go into certain lines of work, just remember that, hey, when you leave that form of work, Hey, there might be a stigma that follows you, you know? Hey, that's just how it is, right? So you can't... Yes, now, there's definitely, you know, slimy people working in porn. But you had a choice. You chose wrong. Hey, now this is the cross you bear, you know? I hope it gets sorted out, but... There's not really many people she can blame. She signed a bullshit contract. That's on her. Should have had lawyers look at it. Or just should have had common sense. It's just the way it is, people. It's just the way it is, you know? Yo, so, um, yeah, this is a crazy bit of news, I feel, right? So, the UK Advertising Standards Authority, the ASA, they um brought in a new law in June 
the um would ban ads featuring harmful gender stereotypes or those which are likely to cause serious or widespread offense so that's the new law right and two adverts have recently been banned and they're the first to be banned because of this law so one is from um Philadelphia cheese and the other is a, a Volkswagen advert right so the um the Philadelphia cheese one says they had 128 complaints about this advert right and um the thing about the advert was there's two dads and they're in a a restaurant with a buffet and they um supposedly i think they see some philadelphia cheese and they're distracted and while they're distracted they place their kid on the conveyor belt for some reason and you just see the kid like moving away and uh yeah so um <laughs> that the the complaint said the advertisement perpetuated a harmful stereotype by suggesting that men are incapable of caring for children and were so incompetent they would um place youngsters at risks so that's what their um that's the complaint about that advert so the um, Volkswagen e-golf advert, there was three complaints, just three, three complaints. And um, okay, so the advert was, it showed a, a sleeping woman and then a man in a tent on a sheer cliff face. Then two male astronauts floating in space and um, a male para-athlete doing the long jump and then it ended with a um a a young mum sitting on the bench next to a pram like reading a book and looking peaceful and um yeah so (laughs) the complaint said that the ad perpetuated harmful gender stereotypes by showing men in engaged and adventurous activities in contrast to a woman in a caregiving role. I just... This is just... just seems crazy to me. You know what I mean? It seems crazy. Now, Volkswagen said, right... That its ad made no suggestion that childcare was solely associated with women. And the fact that the woman in its advertisement was calm and reading could be seen as going against the stereotypical depiction of harassed or anxious parents in advertising. Which is a fair, you know what I mean? I think that's a fair assumption. Because that's what we often see. But, so, the crazy thing about this, right, I I kind of think, 
you have to let some things go. You know what I mean? It's funny seeing people like distracted by food that they'd leave a kid on a conveyor belt. Firstly, no one's putting a baby on a conveyor belt like that because it wouldn't support. It wouldn't support the kid. What for one thing? Secondly, like the staff would be like, "Get your baby off the thing." You know I mean? and there's two there's two parents, right? So you're not putting a baby on a thing. It's a joke. It's a joke, people. So obviously now. We can't joke. So you can't joke. Which is just like, wait, what? What? But like, so the stereo, they're saying that you you can't show two men doing that. So what would have happened? It, so it feels like if you had two women, the ad would have been pulled. You know what I mean? Even if you had a man and a woman, the ad would have been pulled. It's just now you can't have that advert. Like, I'm not saying it's comedy gold, but it's done as a joke. So, I think people need to understand the difference. And with this new law and the fact that these two adverts have been pulled, yeah, it kind of says to you that the ASA cannot understand the difference, right? Now, the second advert where, um, you know, talking about the stereotypes and um, have it showing men doing adventurous stuff and the woman sitting and reading. Firstly, right, there's plenty of adverts with women like running and like doing crazy shit. Right. So what about the women that don't want to do that shit. What about them? What if for some women. Sitting on a bench and reading. Sounds like bliss. Right? So are we saying we can never show that? You can never show that. Now I know plenty of men. Right? Don't. Would never. Want to be on a freaking a, a, a mounting face, let alone in a tent on a sheer mountain face. You know what I mean? That that's a nightmare for a lot of motherfuckers, right? And going into space, you know, dudes got vertigo. Hey, trust me as well. I don't sleep. I do not sleep very well. So seeing some woman sleeping. Hey, that just makes me jealous. I'm jealous of that. You know what I mean? So, it's just crazy, I feel, to pull the plug on these things. I think you you should be able to tell the difference about a bad stereotype. You know what I mean? Like, people really mocking something or... That's harmful. This... It, it really isn't. And I think from these adverts being banned, it lets us know what now is acceptable. Because, hey, remember the Gillette advert that came out in the Super Bowl? 
that was really ridiculous and over the top. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's how adverts are going to be. You know? You've got to show, like, yeah, just men just in weird ways. Because, obviously, you know, we can't have them looking after kids and making mistakes. Because that's wrong. Or you can't have them doing sports and shit. If a woman's not doing sports and shit. Because that's wrong. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Now, listen. Understand. Yes, there was a time when we didn't see women doing, you know what I mean, roles of empowerment and things like that. That is wrong. Right? But that has changed. It's definitely changed. Especially, look, look at the adverts we see on TV. You know, look at the TV shows and films that are being commissioned. It's changed. It's changed with adverts. It's improving with films and TV, right? Now, are there still issues? Yes, there are still issues. But we can't get to a place where we're putting out these ridiculous notions of, hey, everything is just an even playing field, or we can't joke, we can't do that, that's damaging, that's really damaging, because firstly, it makes women think, oh, there's no more issues, I remember when Obama was voted president, everyone was like, oh, racism is dead, and a load of people on the news, like, made that statement, no, racism is dead, you fools, you know what I mean, so trying to act like there isn't still bullshit for women, that's damaging, because you're going to have some young friggin' naive chicks thinking, hey, everything's fine, and then, boom, that notion comes crashing down on them, so it's just like, look, we need proper representation, but we need to be able to have fun and joke as well. But, hey, ASA says, no, no, no. They think they're Dawn Penn, right? Huh. Fuck them and fuck this new world, man, where people don't have a sense of humor and people are just looking looking for the first instance where they can claim being offended, it's just bullshit, right, it's bullshit, you know what, tired of all this shit, let's move on to some other stuff, hey, I'm gonna tell you about um a little trip I took at the weekend, so let's get to that, So, I heard the weather was going to be rubbish on Saturday. And, um, yo, we figured a nice little little date would be go see the new moon exhibition at the National Maritime Museum. So, um, this exhibition, it celebrates the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Um... You know, it's the biggest UK exhibition dedicated to the moon. Uh, And it's charting the cultural 
and scientific story of our relationship with the moon. The exhibition features over 180 objects, including artifacts from the NASA Apollo 11 mission. Reconnecting with the wonders of the moon through artifacts, artworks and interactive moments and discover how it has captivated and inspired us through history. Now, um, it's, it's split into four rooms that um, kind of just look at different aspects. So you've got the artistic, romantic, spiritual influence you know that's kind of looked at um and then you've got like maps and charts of the moon you've also we kind of look at this there's a there's a section that looks at like the space race and all of the propaganda and everything like that and then it kind of ends with a section like who owns the moon and it kind of looks ahead at future potential projects because i think china and india japan israel they're all looking to go to the moon and um america have got another i think they're planning another trip i think what i remember reading it was like an a female astronaut mission something like that um so yeah it, it, it it's broken down into these four things so yeah we thought that sounded pretty interesting and it's been a while since going to the um national maritime museum as well uh so yeah moseyed on down the crazy thing is i didn't really like you know when you hear moon exhibition you don't expect it to be in the basement. <laughs> so, yeah, it was down in the basement. Um, and I wasn't expecting it to be basically by candlelight. You know, they dimmed all the lights. So, you're, you're walking around. I mean, I can kind of see what they were trying to aim at. You know what I mean? The moon comes out at night, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I think they're trying to get that kind of atmosphere going on and all of that. It's not helpful, though. Like, there's a lot of content to read, most of it being small. So, this was, (laughs) this is a problematic exhibition if you've got bad eyesight, that you know, that's all I can say, man. It, it, you know, it's difficult to read anything. You've then you're walking around in the dark, and so suddenly they've got TV screens and bright stuff, which then hurts your eyes. Yeah, it was problematic, very problematic. Now. They've got a lot of stuff. There's definitely a lot to be seen. So I can imagine 
you know, if your site's good and you're all right with reading information and all of that shenanigans, you will have a whale of a time. But yeah, it it, it was problematic. There were some videos, watch some videos, um, some interesting like time-lapse stuff. There was a big calendar showing the, the lunar, well, it was a the lunar calendar essentially so showing the different faces of the moon and what it should look like when and all of that so that you know i mean there was all stuff like that that was interesting like um kind of old artwork and you know pictures paintings kind of with people's depictions of the moon and how they kind of related to the moon so there was a lot of that which was yeah that I mean that's all interesting some really nice artwork but um yeah it was very difficult it was a struggle so you and then you're walking around a dark room and you got people with their big ass push chairs so you're trying not to like fall over and crush babies think I avoided crushing babies but who knows you know I mean? hey it's the moon you can't hear screams in that in space right but um yeah look the exhibition is I think it's on until the 5th of January next year 2020 so if you if you're into the moon if you find yourself in Greenwich you want to have an interesting time I would say go check it out, but be warned, it's in the basement, it's dark, there's a lot of information, but it's not big print, so if you have difficulties reading, yeah, be be warned about that. I think, like, I, I think we saw someone walking around with, a, like, a large print guide, haven't got a clue where they got it from. Because they really didn't mention any of that when I picked up the tickets. So um yeah. Yeah. They've got they've got some stuff to work on. The old maritime museum. But um hey, look, it's a big exhibition. As I said, look, it's the largest in the UK about the moon. So, yeah, if that's of interest to you, maybe mosey on down and take a look. All right? But, yeah, it's open till the 5th of January. Cool. Okay, people. So, um, yeah. So, in Victor on Friday, and we just had the um first UFC event from Uruguay. So, it was... Um, UFC Fight Night, Chubchenko v. Carmouche 2, uh, and this was from Montevida, Uruguay, and hey, listen, on paper, I, I've, I've heard a few people say that they thought it wasn't going to be a great card, yo, those people were wrong, this was so much fun, people, so much fun so um you know just a quick little recap because you can catch the full 
the full full breakdown on chin check. So um hey, so we finally got Volkan Uzamir against Elitid Latifi, and that was a good fight. Good fight, went two rounds, and if you heard Uzamir on UFC Unfiltered, go, this went exactly how he thought it would. You know, exactly how he thought it would. Latia, um, he, he, you know, he tried to end it in the first. He was throwing heavy punches, but nothing could connect. And, um, yeah, he tired himself out. Well, with that and getting punched in the face numerous times, you know what I mean? Tired himself out, so he got to the second, and Uzamir landed a sweet knee, then a good one to put him down, and then shut his lights out. Shut his lights out, man. So that was vicious. We had a... There was a lot of wars on this card. A lot of standing in a telephone booth, throwing at each other. And Vicente Luque against Mike Perry was one of those wars. It was three rounds of hell. And, yo, looking at these two fighters at the end of it, jeez. Yo, they clearly had been in something. You know what I mean? (laughs) They really had. Oh, my God. It was insane and Perry's nose was messed up yo um I have to be honest I thought that Perry took it but the judges gave the decision to Luke but it was it was vicious it was a war and um yeah you can't really argue but it was a fun fight man and um Shevchenko Carmouche Yo, it, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't like Jessica Rye, you know what I mean? This went the full five rounds, but Shevchenko pretty much dominated. You know, at no point did we think that Carmouche had a chance. She, she you know, she she wasn't really landing. She wasn't really pushing forward, you know, she wasn't trying to put Shevchenko in any compromising positions it's like she didn't want to get hit she didn't want to get hit and her lights put out she was it looked like she was waiting for a time waiting for a time but again Shevchenko Shevchenko ain't gonna make any silly mistakes so you've got to push you've got to try and force those mistakes and um yeah Kamush didn't really seem didn't seem like she was prepared to do that and so um yeah it it was a dominant unanimous decision win for Shevchenko but this was a really fun card if you want to hear the full breakdown check out um episode six of chin check people all right okay so this week I, um, yeah, I watched the third series of Glow. Um, I forgot, I've completely forgot that it was dropping on Friday. So, yeah, that, that worked out nicely. I just put on Netflix, there was Glow. So, I was like, boom. Um, and as, you know, 
well, if you don't know, Glow is an American comedy series created by Liz Flahive and Carly Mensch. The series revolves around a fictionization of the characters and gimmicks of the 1980s syndicated women's professional wrestling circuit, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, acronym being GLOW, which was founded by David McLean. The first and second and the third season all consist of 10 episodes. So, season one was, you know, trying to get this thing off the ground. And um, it then getting, at the end, it got a TV series. Season two was the TV series. But at the end, it got cancelled. Season three was them taking the series, you know, the whole show to Vegas and, um, you know, having it as a, a live show. So, yeah, that, that was the um, whole premise. So, they were going to um, <clears throat> perform at a casino in Vegas. Yep, that's right, people. They are the, um, you know, one of the lead shows at the uh, fictional Fantan Hotel and Casino where Gina Davis, a.k.a. Sandy Duvar St. Clair, is the entertainment director. And uh, Gina Davis is great is great in this but yes so we've got the show moved to vegas and um they're putting on a live show but because it's vegas and they're performing basically every night the show is the same so they don't really they don't change the show and as we've seen you know, wrestling, like, that was a heavy part of um, one and two, you know, the the building of the wrestling, the perfecting of the moves, and the proficiency of the characters, and all of that, so, um, yeah, it, it means that, you know, season three is, it, it's wrestling light, we don't really have to see a lot of the wrestling, which makes sense, you know, because, yeah, we, we know, we know what's happening with it, we've seen it before, so yeah, they go easy on the wrestling, and now we're getting more story, you know, it, it, it's, it's heavy on the story, and really kind of heavy on the issues, so that's what they're doing, which is interesting, you know, it starts off, really, so you know what what you're kind of getting, because it starts off with the characters, um, well, it starts off with um, Ruth and Debbie in character, 
giving kind of live commentary on the Challenger launch. And we all know what happens with the Challenger. You know, it blows up. So with Ruth in full Russian kind of slating it, then suddenly you get the blow up. So that's how we start off the show. Uh, it's We don't really see really any ramifications of this. Apart from Ruth being a bit frantic. And then just people in general being upset. Because the Challenger blew up. But we don't really see any other ramifications, you know, with the Russian aspect of the character and, you know, anything like that. But it was an interesting way to start. So in this season, we see a lot of character growth and um, just transformation. We have, because remember, in season two, that ended with... Um, Bash and Ronda getting married so Ronda could stay, get a green card and stay in the country. So they're exploring that relationship in this season. And um, we have this moment with, um, you know, Ronda talking to Birdie, Bash's uh, a, a mum. And... Um, you know, she's like, um, you know, I, I married, I married Bash for the green card, but you know, I really care for him. I love him. You know, my my heart kind of is goes weak when I see him because you know, you look into his eyes and he's all innocent and blah, blah, blah. so we have this moment. So it's really, um, yeah, trying to. It's it's really trying to um, have that connection, build build something between them. So we have this, but then also in season two, remember, we're kind of looking at Bash more and Bash's sexuality because. He he you know, he talks about his his butler Florian and how he's you know great and everything like that, but then they kind of fall out and he then learns that Florian died of AIDS. And you're kind of and there's all these kind of things that are kind of innuendo we don't fully, you know, it's not fully explored, but it's just there, these little things that are just like, okay, so, you know, what are we saying about Bash here, but that gets explored, you know, that fully gets explored in this season, uh, very interestingly, but, it kind of then gets pushed away towards the end, you know. So, and that's the thing, I think, in this season, there are subjects that get kind of brought up. But not, I, 
it's kind of brought up in in the light way l-i-t-e you know what i mean so they kind of go there but not fully it's like there is an instance where um it was as part of the fantan hotel and casino there's a drag act and um the guy that runs the drag act he um he puts on this fundraiser so at the end of the year he puts on this fundraiser and a lot of the characters are there helping out and it gets attacked and there's a fire and everyone runs outside and there's like a lot of gay hate so there's like slogans written on the wall and stuff like that but that's it it doesn't you know so it's kind of addressing the tension the sexual tension and the hatred and you know these things but it doesn't go fully there it's just like oh yeah this stuff happens to us but it's just like you know it was worse look we know it was worse but they're kind of it's a little tiptoe around it you can kind of understand you know and sometimes trying to get these pushed through on tv it's difficult but you know it, it, it yeah I, I would have wanted to see more exploration into these things. You know, we have, we're looking at the relationship between Arfi and Yolanda. And again, this is, it's kind of touched upon. And then, you know, there's talk of certain people being homophobic. But that's not really fully addressed it's thrown out there but it's just not fully addressed and it, it's something I would have liked to see you know kind of shown more of but um yeah like it is well done you know it is really well done and I definitely, it's enjoyable, it's very enjoyable, and we do get, there's characters that get explored a lot more than they did before, like um, Jenny, her character is really, you know, they delve into that character more, they actually kind of, we see more of Yolanda and Arfi in this season, definitely, um we get more of um ah that cherry we get more of cherry which is good but um yeah i have to say one character that really is doesn't really do much she we see her in the episodes but yeah she's not really explored at all is Reggie, so um, I feel bad for Marina Polka, because yeah, Re like Reggie's big kind of thing is hiking in a camping episode, but that's it, that's really the most we get from her, and then at the end she's like, I can't wait to see my family, but, that, but that's it, 
Yeah, so I hopefully, you know, this gets renewed for season four and um, Reggie gets more to play with <laughs> because, yeah, it, she's out there in the cold. But, yeah, we're exploring a lot. We're definitely exploring a lot. Like, we're looking at, um, you know, Debbie and the fact that she's in Vegas, so she's away from her kid. So we're looking at this dynamic and her then, it, I, I feel just kind of expressing her sexual side. And we're also looking at Ruth because it's, the big thing is like, what's happening with Ruth? What's happening with Ruth? What's happening with Sam? What, you know what I mean? What about that? Because, you know, at the end of um, season two, Ruth's now got a boyfriend. She's dating the cameraman, remember? So what does this mean? And all of this, yeah, it does get addressed. Now, there are things in season three that are a little frustrating. Because I think one thing that has kind of played out across the seasons is like Betty Gilpin's character Debbie Betty Gilpin even her character Debbie Egan like she become goes from being a wrestler who then manipulates her way to becoming the star of the show so she manipulates her way of becoming the star of the show manipulates her way at being a producer on the show and then at the end of this season, we see her manipulate her way into something else. And it's a bit like, it's just a bit of a shame that some of these things don't fully come from just ability. You know? Because, yes, we understand there is a struggle. You know what I mean? Women's wrestling wasn't as big as men's wrestling and all of that. And, yeah, the, you know, women, uh, the, especially, you know, back in those times. Because this is all in 86. So, it's still the women's places at home and all of this. So, we definitely, look, we understand that. So, there's definitely a divide. There's definitely a struggle. But, not everything I kind of feel not everything has to be a manipulation, you know? Some things, like, you kind of feel some things would come from hard work. Not everything. Look, we understand what it was. But having everything come from a manipulation, and it does take away slightly, you know? And especially when... These things aren't really ever mentioned. You know, especially like when there's an argument between the characters. It's never kind of, well, you got where you've got from sleeping with that dude. You know, no one throws that around or anything. And you know that would definitely happen. You know what I mean? Come on. That would definitely happen. Um, there's a lot more nudity in this season. But there is male nudity. So, 
you know, I think that's a good step forward. No, like, there's, I think the big thing is, it's always weird when you're having these sex scenes and, like, a, you know, one character gets up and they're suddenly in underwear and then the woman's in bed and for some reason she then, like, pulls the sheet down to just show her tits. And you're just like, like, that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen like that. You know, so it was good to get some parity in the scene. You know, I do wonder why they had even more, like, flesh on display this season. I don't think it was fully needed. Hey, don't get me wrong. It's, it's nothing to complain about But Yeah I do wonder Was there an actual need For some of it I don't know But yes Look This was a fun season Ah, And also We get some We finally get some More character development For Sheila And I think that is definitely A great thing because I don't think this could have gone into a fourth season with Sheila in the same iteration that we had from season one and two so it was good this change happened it was like it was good we had a lot of change like Justine comes back and that's nice but the only problem I have with the whole Justine thing is it, it's kind of like, um, so there's a situation between Justine, Ruth and Sam and it kind of, uh, it's a bit weird, like Sam handles it well and the way Ruth handles it is very weird. It's very weird. She doesn't, and Sam doesn't even screw her over. So that's the crazy thing about it. But it's played a little bit like he did. So I'm hoping we get more clarity on that going forward. But, yo, this is a rich season for the story. You know? It's definitely a rich season for story, for character development. It's fun. It's fun. And we get more. It's more serious than the other seasons, I kind of feel. But that works. I think it works. And we get to see showgirls. We get to see this whole crazy Vegas thing. You know, the changes. We get some time jumps. Yeah, we get a lot of moving around, you know, and and it really helps with the story because we can't, we couldn't do just more of what we've seen in season one and two. It had to, it had to go in this way. It had to change the tone and the way it all ends, hey, it's a perfect setup for a new chapter. So let's just hope that we get a renewal from Netflix. Um, I kind of feel that it will. 
Because this is a big show for it. This is a big show for Netflix. And I know there's a talk that everything gets cancelled, you know, season two, so it doesn't get a third. But some things get that third. And some things have got a fourth season. And I feel Glow will get a fourth season. So, um, yeah. If you've enjoyed the previous two, you will definitely enjoy three. It's it's really good. And it, I'd say it's consistent. I'd say it's consistent. And the additional characters coming in, like Gina Davis. And I think it's Kevin Cahoon who plays the drag act. Really good. Really good. So, um, hey, you're definitely, yes, you will definitely enjoy it. Enjoy the character arcs. And, uh, yeah, just the pain of it all is having to wait to find out if we're getting more. Grr. But, yeah, enjoy it, people. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so this week's book is Someone Like Me. Uh, it's from Mike Carey, and it's narrated by Robin Mills. So, this is um, this is what it says on the uh, on the cover. Well, the um, you know, the e cover, the Audible website, <laughs> as it were. Um, from the author of the me and copy best-selling The Girl with All the Gifts, comes an extraordinary new psychological thriller with a twist you won't see coming. There are two sides to every story. Liz Kendall wouldn't hurt a fly. Even when times get tough, she's devoted to bringing up her two kids in a loving home. But there's another side to Liz, one that's dark and malicious, an alter ego that will do anything to get her way, no matter how extreme. And when this other side of her takes control, the consequences are devastating. Someone Like Me is the intoxicating new thriller from the phenomenal Mike Carey, a modern take on the Jekyll and Hyde tale. Think Gone Girl meets Stephen King, but you won't have heard anything quite like this before. Uh, so, yes, this is definitely um, slightly different, you know. I wasn't really sure what to expect. This Girl, from, Girl with All the Gifts was really good. Um, Fellside was, hey, I thought I wasn't going to like it. But it definitely surprised me. And then Boy on the Bridge was a revisit to um, the Girl with All the Gifts universe. And that was another interesting zombie tale. So now we get to this, which is more... Yeah, when I read like a psychological thriller, I was like, hmm, okay. All right, let's, let's, let's give this a go. Let's see where, where this will take us. And... The beginning is interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting beginning. You know, we're introduced to Liz Kendall. She's got two kids. Um, the 16-year-old Zach and the 6-year-old Molly. So we have that. And then there's Fran. 
who um, is 16. She's in the same year as Zach, goes to the same school. Uh, and we find out that, you know, as a kid, she was abducted by someone called the Shadow Man. Um, so there's a lot of kind of psychological trauma in this book. And, uh, you know, we're introduced this pretty well. It's an interesting beginning. But then, like, the middle just kind of drags. It really does drag. And it's just a bit dull. Because the problem is, with the way everything was set up, you kind of then know what's going to happen. It's like, because it it gets to a point where then this big thing happens and you're just like, well, obviously now that's going to happen. And if that was that, and there's a connection between Liz and Fran, then obviously that is that. So you know all of this, but it's still not quite played all the way out. So you're having to wait for it all to play out. And this other stuff kind of goes down. And you're just like, I don't buy any of that. That was the problem. There's a, there's a lot of things that happen. And I guess with Fran, there's a lot of things that happen with Fran in the middle of the book. That is just... Because you're like, okay, she was kidnapped as a kid. There is no way she is now doing this stuff. That's just not happening. And her dad is just way too, okay, let's, yeah, let's give that a go. Oh, whatever you want. Yeah, you're just like, really? Really? I'm not. No, 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 I can't, but it doesn't make any sense, that does not make any sense, and then, um, I think the friendship between Fran and Zach is all a bit, it's a bit odd, it's, it's like, I don't know, like things happen way too fast and then at places there's these kind of leanings towards oh, do they want to take it further than just friends? But then that goes nowhere and so you're just like what was the point in adding those bits? Because it it was just a throwaway word. It wasn't really even like this whole thing was set up in a way like, are they going to kiss? It was just, you know, a statement was made. You'd be like, oh, Zach came over. Oh, and he gave me a hug. Hmm. Was that hug a bit too long? I don't know. And then you don't hear about it again, kind of for for ages. Then there's another just quick comment, and then that's the last of it. And you're just, what was, there's no point. 
you weren't setting anything up, you weren't even kind of building this kind of, you know, undercurrent, so it's just like, what was the point of even, like, making a slight reference to it, so you have these things, now, when you get to the, um, the whole Liz situation, it's, Ah, it's very problematic, because, okay, so it mentions the two sides, and, you know, this dark persona kind of thing, that is, you know, taking control of Liz, so you have that, and the intention, like, it all revolves around her, her ex-husband, and, um, I don't know, it, it's just like, look, this, this situation is built in a way that then this thing happens and you're just like, okay, boom, that's, hey, everything is solved now, then it goes further and you're just like, well, that makes no sense, that makes no sense at all. Because now you have to do this. And that opened you up to a whole heap of shit. So it was just like, what? Why would why would you do that? That's just crazy. And so you have this craziness. Then later in the book, there's a situation with a phone call. That you're just like, no. Look, the pro and the problem is, we are so far into the mobile age. Everyone knows because these things have been covered in 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 you know, fiction, books, in TV shows, in films. Like everyone knows, like mobile phone signals can be traced, everyone knows that, we've seen it so many times, in TV, in books, and all of that, we've seen it, so this thing happens with a mobile phone, and you're just like, no, no, they wouldn't, that's just ridiculous, it's ridiculous, and the big problem is, like, it just ends with no real repercussions from certain events, and you're just like, but there's evidence, wait, there's evidence, the police can't be that stupid, this is crazy, crazy, there's too much stuff loose in the wind, and hey, there's another situation with Liz, that you're like, well, surely she has to go to hospital, and if she goes to hospital, how is, <laughs> because they're going to look at that and go, what, you know what I mean, and it doesn't make any sense, doesn't make any sense, so there's too many things in this book that just have you going, that makes no sense, that makes no sense, that's ridiculous, 
So, from a, a, an interesting start, you're just left with this frustrating mess. This frustrating mess. And look, I've heard talk about the fact that Kerry handles mental health in a completely different way to a lot of other authors do when they write these kind of psychological thrillers. And yes, he makes it that there's a support system for both characters, you know? So, like, Fran's dad... Like Lizzie, you know the the psych, um, the therapist, the police for Liz. Yes, everyone is offering help and all of that. That's fine. But by doing this, by having those things in place now, you need to um. You need to count account for the repercussions of the actions because now these people are in play. So the events of the book as they go on, hey, these people are now in play. They're going to have to have a counter for what is happening. But it doesn't happen like that. So it's just like, yeah, he handled mental health in a certain way that was fine. But he then opened the door to something that he never really, um, you know, he, he, he never accounted for it. You know, he, he never kind of was like, okay, the, res the resolution to that is this. Because you have to resolve it. Because the way he ended the book doesn't make any sense without the, there being a resolution. You know? that And that's the big problem. So, yeah. This, unfortunately, is not a, um, you know, it, it, it's not a girl with all the gifts. It's not a... Um, you know, Boy on the Bridge, it's not any of the fantastic Felix Castor books that, you know, are, are down under Mike Carey, because these ones are M.R. Carey, and um, yeah, so there's not the really great stuff under Mike Carey, because the five Felix Castor books are fantastic, you know, the unwritten comic book series, fan fantastic like he's run on hellblazer oh, really good lucifer great that was great this doesn't live up to any of those things and it's such a shame such a shame but um hey listen it's on audible you can get it on amazon you know probably find it in any bookshop so if I don't know, psychological thrillers are your thing, hey, maybe you will get down with this, you know, so, um, these are just my thoughts, people, just my thoughts, so, uh, yeah, there you go, someone like you, um, and this is from Mike 
are sorry is someone like me jesus christ someone like me by mike carey or mr carey okay people so as we draw to the close of another episode of echoes from the void we've just got a little bit of tv news to get through okay so with all the new streaming platforms launching the expected is happening certain studios are putting up their properties for exclusive rights now recently nbc universal paid 500 million for the rights to play the office um hbo max paid 425 million to do the same with friends now um warner media is hoping to secure the rights to the big bang theory and two and a half men for a 1.5 billion package you know the um I think the idea is that they want to have all their kind of homegrown shows under one roof. So, um, yeah, with all that happening, and, um, yeah, you know what I mean, just all this craziness, it's also thought that um, Sony Pictures Television is uh, gonna do the same with Seinfeld once their deal with Hulu runs out in 2021 so um yeah I wonder how much they are going to um, be looking for that cash cow uh, in other acquisition news HBO Max has um, landed the rights to uh, Starstruck which is um, from Rose Matafio and Avalon Television it's going to be a six episode series that follows a young woman in London who works two dead end jobs and has to navigate the awkward morning after when she discovers the complications of accidentally sleeping with a movie star. So it's going to air on BBC Three in the UK and then move over to HBO Max for um, its airing stateside. Uh, Also, um, Michael Hurst, it seems that he is the go-to guy for great genre TV. You know, so he's be, been behind Camelot at Mars. He's behind um, the Tudors at Showtime and Vikings on the History Channel. So, um, with Vikings soon to finish soon with its sixth season. Hurst has been busy lining up his next series and that can be revealed to be Charlemagne 
So, um, yeah, basically, um, Charlemagne was a Roman ruler who united Eastern and Western Europe amidst navigating a salacious and complicated personal life. Uh, and, um, yeah, so this series is going to be airing on Jeffrey Katzenberg's Quibi. So, um, yeah, haven't got a clue um, how we're going to watch that in the UK, but uh, yeah, there you go. And um, finally, uh, Jeff Loeb, the head of Marvel Television, has been um, talking recently about the slate of shows that they have, um, you know, Lined up to hit sometime soon. Now, this is different to the already announced um, Loki, WandaVision, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, and What If that are coming from Marvel Studios and will be hitting Disney Plus starting um, at the end of this year. Now, uh, Marvel TV They produced Daredevil, Jessica Jones Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Carter, Legion Luke Cage, Iron Fist The Defenders um, Inhumans And right now the big ones Are Runaways and Cloak and Dagger So yeah Loeb recently had a talk with Deadline and he had this to say I have to make something very clear Which is Those are the shows that are created And run And the responsibility of the motion picture studio Talking of um, The WandaVision Loki Falcon and Winter Soldier And What If Secondly Marvel Television Will be doing their own shows with Disney Plus we just haven't announced what we will be doing over there. Um, and then he had this also to say. Something that really interested us and interested Hulu. And we always knew that we were going to do something with Ghost Rider. We were just waiting for the right place to put it. Then we started having the same conversation Which was there is in the comic book world The spirit of vengeance And they are this sort of universal group Of characters Which involve Ghost Rider Hellstrom And Hellstrom's sister Anna We suddenly saw that there were Three or four shows that we could put together that we now refer to as adventure interfere. What we love is the notion of how we can present a Marvel hero who is truly feared and truly believed that they were a monster, but that as the stories go on, they realize, oh, I'm the hero of the story. I'm not the villain of the story. That's not something we've 
ever done before. So we started with Ghost Rider, we went out and managed to get Gabriel Luna to come back and reproduce the role he played on S.H.I.E.L.D. Then we're going to do Hellstrom and then there's a couple more that we haven't yet revealed to the world. And um, Loeb also mentions that he was shocked when Netflix cancelled all their shows, especially Daredevil. So, um, yeah, people, that is it for another episode. So, um, alright, peace, and we'll catch you next Wednesday, alright? Later.